If you're enjoying The Sleepy Bookshelf, then be sure to check out the other sleepy shows in our network. Get Sleepy has original stories and meditations. I even narrate some of them. Or if you prefer relaxing soundscapes and music, then be sure to check out Deep Sleep Sounds. It's even great for babies too. You can find all of our shows wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks and sweet dreams. Good evening and welcome to the Sleepy Bookshelf, where we put down our worries from the day and pick up a good book. I'm your host, Elizabeth. Thank you for joining me tonight. This evening we'll be returning to Winnie the Pooh, but before that, take some time to settle in. Imagine you are in a forest. The sun is high in the sky and is peeking through the leaves in the canopy above. When you look around, you are in the center of a circle of six pine trees. One, two, three, four, five, six. You breathe in deeply and you inhale the scent of the forest. And when you exhale, you feel all the tension from your body dissolve. In our first episode, we met Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh as they bumped downstairs. Christopher Robin asked for a story about Pooh, and so we began. One day, Pooh noticed a buzzing noise from the top of a tree and realized that it must be bees, and therefore, there must be honey. He tried to climb up, but fell all the way back down again. So he went to see Christopher Robin to ask if he could borrow a balloon. He then covered himself in mud and used the balloon to float up to the bees, disguised as a little black rain cloud. But the bees got suspicious and turned out not to be honeybees at all. So Christopher Robin threw a rock at the balloon to pop it so that Pooh could gently come back down to earth. In the second story, Pooh went to visit Rabbit at home and ate all of his honey and condensed milk. Pooh had eaten so much that he got stuck in Rabbit's front door on the way out. Rabbit had to fetch Christopher Robin, who told Pooh he couldn't eat for a week until he was thin enough to get out again. When a week passed, they pulled and pushed and finally squeezed Pooh out. We then began a third story in which Piglet found Pooh following a set of woozle tracks in the forest. Piglet joined in until another set of tracks appeared, and then another, and then another. And that's where we pick back up tonight, with Piglet and Pooh trying to figure out what they might be tracking. So lie back and close your eyes as I turn to the next pages of Winnie the Pooh. Chapter 3 In which Pooh and Piglet go hunting and nearly catch a woozle continued. I think, said Piglet, when he had licked the tip of his nose too and found that it brought very little comfort. 
I think that I have just remembered something. I have just remembered something that I forgot to do yesterday and shan't be able to do tomorrow. So I suppose I really ought to go back and, and do it now. We'll do it this afternoon and I'll come with you, said Pooh. It isn't the sort of thing you can do in the afternoon, said Piglet quickly. It's a very particular morning thing that has to be done in the morning, and if possible, between the hours of... Well, what would you say the time was now? About twelve, said Winnie the Pooh, looking at the sun. Between, as I was saying... At the hours of twelve and twelve five. So really, dear old Pooh, if you'll excuse me. Piglet paused. What's that? Pooh looked up at the sky, and then, as he heard the whistle again, he looked up into the branches of a big oak tree, and then he saw a friend of his. It's Christopher Robin he said. Ah, then you'll be all right, said Piglet. You'll be quite safe with him. Goodbye. And he trotted off home as quickly as he could, very glad to be out of all danger again. Christopher Robin came slowly down his tree. Silly old bear, he said. What were you doing? First you went round the spinney twice by yourself, and then Piglet ran after you, and you went round again together, and then you were just going round a fourth time. Wait a moment, said Winnie the Pooh, holding up his paw. He sat down and thought in the most thoughtful way he could think. Then he fitted his paw into one of the tracks and then he scratched his nose twice and stood up. Yes, said Winnie the Pooh. I see now I've been foolish and deluded and I'm a bear of no brain at all. You're the best bear in all the world, said Christopher Robin soothingly. Am I? said Pooh, hopefully. And then he brightened up suddenly. Anyhow, he said, it is nearly luncheon time. So he went home for it. Chapter 4 In which Eeyore loses a tail and Pooh finds one. The old grey donkey, Eeyore, stood by himself in a thistly corner of the forest, his front feet well apart, his head on one side, and thought about things. Sometimes he thought sadly to himself, why? And sometimes he thought, wherefore? And sometimes he thought, inasmuch as which, and sometimes he didn't know quite what he was thinking about. So when Winnie the Pooh came stumping along, Eeyore was very glad to be able to stop thinking for a little, in order to say, how do you do, in a gloomy manner to him. And how are you, said Winnie the Pooh. Eeyore shook his head from side to side. Not very how, he said. I don't seem to have felt at all how for a long time. Dear, dear, said Pooh. I'm sorry about that. Let's have a look at you. So Eeyore stood there, gazing sadly at the ground, and Winnie the Pooh walked all round him once. Why, what's happened to your tail? He said in surprise. What has happened to it? 
said Eeyore. It isn't there, said Pooh. Are you sure? Well, either the tail is there or it isn't there. You can't make a mistake about it, and yours isn't there. Then what is? asked Eeyore. Nothing, said Pooh. Let's have a look, said Eeyore, and he turned slowly round to the place where his tail had been a little while ago, and then, finding that he couldn't catch it up, he turned round the other way until he came back to where he was at first. Then he put his head down and looked between his front legs, and at last he said, with a long, sad sigh. Oh, I believe you're right. Of course I'm right, said Pooh. That accounts for a good deal, said Eeyore gloomily. It explains everything. No wonder. You must have left it somewhere, said Winnie the Pooh. Somebody must have taken it said Eeyore. How like them, he added after a long silence. Pooh felt that he ought to say something helpful about it, but didn't quite know what, so he decided to do something helpful instead. Eeyore, he said solemnly, I, Winnie the Pooh, will find your tail for you. Thank you, Pooh, answered Eeyore. You're a real friend, not like some, he said. So Winnie the Pooh went off to find Eeyore's tail. It was a fine spring morning in the forest as he started out. Little soft clouds played happily in a blue sky skipping from time to time in front of the sun as if they had come to put it out, and then sliding away suddenly so that the next might have his turn. Through them and between them the sun shone bravely, and a cobs which had worn its furs all the year round seemed old and dowdy now beside the new green lace which the beeches had put on so prettily. Through the copse and spinney marched bare, down open slopes of gauze and heather, over rocky beds of streams, up steep banks of sandstone into the heather again. And so, at last, tired and hungry, to the hundred-acre wood. For it was in the hundred-acre wood that Owl lived. And if anyone knows anything about anything, said Bear to himself, it's Owl who knows something about something, or my name's not Winnie the Pooh, which it is he added. So, there you are. Owl lived at the Chestnuts, an old-world residence of great charm, which was grander than anybody else's, or seemed so to bear, because it had both a knocker and a bell pool. Underneath the knocker, there was a notice which said, Please ring if answer is required. Underneath the bell pull, there was a notice which said, Please knock if answer is not required. These notices had been written by Christopher Robin, who was the only one in the forest who could spell. For Owl, wise though he was in many ways, able to read, and write and spell his own name, somehow went all to pieces over delicate words like 
measles and buttered toast. Winnie the Pooh read the two notices very carefully, first from left to right, and afterwards, in case he had missed some of it, from right to left. Then, to make quite sure, he knocked and pulled the knocker, and he pulled and knocked the bell rope, and he called out in a very clear voice, Owl, I require an answer. It's bear speaking. And the door opened, and Owl looked out. Hello, Pooh, he said. How's things? Terrible and sad, said Pooh, because Eeyore, who was a friend of mine, has lost his tail, and he's moping about it. So could you very kindly tell me how to find it for him? Well, said Owl, the customary procedure in such cases is as follows. What does crusty money proceed cake mean? said Pooh, for I am a bear of very little brain, and long words bother me. It means the thing to do. As long as it means that, I don't mind, said Pooh humbly. The thing to do is as follows. First, issue a reward. Just a moment, said Pooh, holding up his paw. What do we do to this, um, what were you saying? You sneezed just as you were going to tell me. I didn't sneeze? Yes, you did, Owl. Excuse me, Pooh, I didn't. You can't sneeze without knowing it. Well, you can't know it without something having been sneezed. What I said was, first issue a reward. You're doing it again, said Pooh sadly. A reward, said Owl again. We write a notice to say that we will give a large something to anybody who finds Eeyore's tail. I see, I see, said Pooh, nodding his head. Talking about large somethings, he went on dreamily. I generally have a small something right about now, about this time in the morning. And he looked wistfully at the cupboard in the corner of Owl's parlor. Just a mouthful of condensed milk or whatnot. Perhaps a lick of honey. Well then, said Owl, we write out this notice and we put it up all over the forest. A lick of honey, said Bear to himself, or not, as the case may be. And he gave a deep sigh and tried very hard to listen to what Owl was saying. But Owl went on and on, using longer and longer words, until at last he came back to where he started and he explained that the person to write out this notice was Christopher Robin. It was he who wrote the wands on my front door for me. Did you see them, Pooh? For some time now, Pooh had been saying yes and no in turn, with his eyes shut to all the towel was saying, and having said Yes, yes, last time, he said, no, not at all, now, without really knowing what Owl was talking about. Didn't you see them? said Owl, a little surprised. Come and look at them now. So they went outside 
and Pooh looked at the knocker and the notice below it, and he looked at the bell rope and the notice below it. And the more he looked at the bell rope, the more he felt that he had seen something like it somewhere else, sometime before. Handsome bell rope, isn't it? said Owl. Pooh nodded. It reminds me of something, he said, but I can't think what. Where did you get it? I just came across it in the forest. It was hanging over a bush, and I thought at first somebody lived there. So I rang it, and nothing happened. Then I rang it again very loudly, and it came off in my hand. And as nobody seemed to want it, I took it home, said Owl. Owl, said Pooh solemnly, you made a mistake. Somebody did want it. Eeyore, my dear friend Eeyore, he was, he was fond of it. Fond of it? asked Owl. Attached to it, said Winnie the Pooh sadly. So with these words, he unhooked it and carried it back to Eeyore. And when Christopher Robin had nailed it on in its right place again, Eeyore frisked about the forest, waving his tail so happily that Winnie the Pooh came over all funny and had to hurry home for a little snack of something to sustain him. And wiping his mouth half an hour afterwards, he sang to himself proudly, Who found the tail? I, said Pooh, at a quarter to two, only it was a quarter to eleven really. I found the tail. Chapter 5 In Which Piglet Meets a Heffalump One day, when Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh and Piglet were all talking together, Christopher Robin finished the mouthful he was eating and said carelessly, I saw a heffalump today, Piglet. What was it doing? asked Piglet. Just lumping along, said Christopher Robin. I don't think it saw me. I saw one once, said Piglet. At least, I think I did. Only, perhaps it wasn't. So did I, said Pooh, wondering what a heffalump was like. You don't often see them, said Christopher Robin carelessly. Not now, said Piglet. Not at this time of year, said Pooh. Then they all talked about something else until it was time for Pooh and Piglet to go home together. At first, as they stumped along the path which edged the hundred-acre wood, They didn't say much to each other, but when they came to a stream and had helped each other across the stepping stones and were able to walk side by side again over the heather, they began to talk in a friendly way about this and that, and Piglet said, If you see what I mean, Pooh, and Pooh said, It's just what I think myself, Piglet. And Piglet said, But on the other hand, Pooh, we must remember. And Pooh said, Quite true, Piglet, although I had forgotten it for the moment. And then, just as they came to the six pine trees, Pooh looked round to see that nobody else was listening and said in a very solemn voice, Piglet, 
I've decided something. What have you decided, Pooh? I've decided to catch a heifer-lump. Pooh nodded his head several times as he said this and waited for Piglet to say how or Pooh you couldn't or something helpful of that sort. But Piglet said nothing. The fact was, Piglet was wishing that he had thought about it first. I shall do it, said Pooh, after waiting a little longer, by means of a trap, and it must be a cunning trap, so you will have to help me, Piglet. Pooh, said Piglet, feeling quite happy again now. I will. And then he said, How shall we do it? And Pooh said, That's just it. How? And then they sat down together to think it out. Pooh's first idea was that they should dig a very deep pit and then the heffalump would come along and fall into the pit. Why? said Piglet. Why what? said Pooh. Why would he fall in? Pooh rubbed his nose with his paw and said that the heffalump might be walking along, humming a little song, and looking up at the sky, wondering if it would rain, and so he wouldn't see the very deep pit until he was halfway down when it would be too late. Piglet said, that this was a very good trap, but supposing it were raining already. Pooh rubbed his nose again and said that he hadn't thought of that, and then he brightened up and said that if it were raining already, the heffalump would be looking at the sky, wondering if it would clear up, and so he wouldn't see the very deep pit until he was halfway down, when it would be too late. Piglet said, now that his point had been explained, he thought it was a cunning trap. Pooh was very proud when he heard this, and he felt that the heffalump was as good as caught already. But there was just one other thing which had to be thought about, and it was this. Where should they dig the very deep pit? Piglet said that the best place would be somewhere where a heffalump was, just before he fell into it, only about a foot farther on. But then he would see us digging it, said Pooh. Not if he was looking at the sky, said Piglet. He would suspect, said Pooh if he happened to look down. He thought for a long time and then added sadly, It isn't as easy as I thought. I suppose that's why heffalumps hardly ever get caught. That must be it, said Piglet. They sighed and got up and when they had taken a few gorse prickles out of themselves, they sat down again And all the time, Pooh was saying to himself, If I could only think of something, for he felt sure that a very clever brain could catch a heffalump if only he knew the right way to go about it. Suppose, he said to Piglet, you wanted to catch me. How would you do it? Mm, Well said Piglet. I should do it like this. I should make a trap and I should put a jar of honey in the trap and you would smell it and you would go in after it. And I would go in after it, said Pooh excitedly, only very carefully so as not to hurt myself and I would get to the jar of honey and I should lick round the edges first of all, 
pretending that there wasn't any more, you know, and then I should walk away and think about it a little, and then I should come back and start licking the middle of the jar, and then, yes, well, never mind about that, there you would be, and there I should catch you. Now, the first thing to think of is, what do heffalumps like? I should think acorns, shouldn't you? We'll get a lot of them. I say, wake up, Pooh. Pooh, who had gone into a happy dream, woke up with a start and said that honey was a much more trappy thing than acorns. Piglet didn't think so, and they were just about to argue over it when Piglet remembered that if they put acorns in the trap, he would have to find the acorns. But if they put honey, then Pooh would have to give up some of his own honey. So he said, All right, honey then. Just as Pooh remembered it too, and was going to say, all right, acorns. Honey, said Piglet to himself in a thoughtful way, as if it were now settled. I'll dig the pit while you go and get the honey. Very well, said Pooh, and he stumped off. As soon as he got home, he went to the larder and he stood on a chair and took down a very large jar of honey from the top shelf. It had honey, H-U-N-N-Y, written on it. But just to make sure, he took off the paper cover and looked at it, and it looked just like honey. But you never can tell, said Pooh. I remember my uncle saying once that he had seen cheese just this color. So he put his tongue in and took a large lick. Yes, he said, it is, no doubt about that. And honey, I should say, right down to the bottom of the jar. Unless, of course... Somebody put cheese at the bottom just for a joke. Perhaps I'd better go a little further, just in case. In case heffalumps don't like cheese, same as me. And he gave a deep sigh. Oh, I was right. It is honey, right the way down. Having made certain of this, He took the jar back to Piglet, and Piglet looked up from the bottom of his very deep pit and said, Got it? And Pooh said, Yes, but it isn't quite a full jar. And he threw it down to Piglet, and Piglet said, No, it isn't. Is that all you've got left? And Pooh said, Yes, because it was. So Piglet put the jar at the bottom of the pit and climbed out, and they went off home together. Well, good night, Pooh, said Piglet when they had got to Pooh's house. And we meet at six o'clock tomorrow morning by the pine trees and see how many heffalumps we've got in our trap. Six o'clock, Piglet. And have you got any string? No. Why do you want string? To lead them home with. Oh. I think heffalumps come if you whistle. Some do, and some don't. You never can tell with heffalumps. Well, good night. Good night. And off Piglet trotted to his house. Trespassers W, while Pooh made his preparations for bed. Some hours later, 
just as the night was beginning to steal away, Pooh woke up suddenly with a sinking feeling. He had had that sinking feeling before, and he knew what it meant. He was hungry. So he went to the larder, and he stood on a chair and reached up to the top shelf and found nothing. That's funny, he thought. I know I had a jar of honey there, a full jar, full of honey, right up to the top, and it had honey written on it, so that I should know it was honey. It's very funny. And then he began to wander up and down, wondering where it was, and murmuring a murmur to himself like this. It's very, very funny, because I know I had some honey, because it had a label on saying honey. A galoptious full up pot too, and I don't know where it's got to. No, I don't know where it's gone. Well, it's funny. He had murmured this to himself three times in a singing sort of way when he suddenly remembered he had put it into the cunning trap to catch the heffalump. Bother, said Pooh. It all comes of trying to be kind to heffalumps. And he got back into bed, but he couldn't sleep. The more he tried to sleep, the more he couldn't. He tried counting sheep, which is sometimes a good way of getting to sleep. And as that was no good, he tried counting heffalumps, and that was worse, because every heffalump that he counted was making straight for a pot of Pooh's honey and eating it all. For some minutes, he lay there miserably, but when the 587th heffalump was licking his jaws and saying to itself, Very good honey this, I don't know when I've tasted better. Pooh could bear it no longer. He jumped out of bed, he ran out of the house, and he ran straight to the six pine trees. The sun was still in bed, but there was a lightness in the sky over the hundred-acre wood, which seemed to show that it was waking up and would soon be kicking off the clothes. In the half-light, the pine trees looked cold and lonely, and the very deep pit seemed deeper than it was, and Pooh's jar of honey at the bottom was something mysterious, a shape and no more. But as he got nearer to it, his nose told him that it was indeed honey, and his tongue came out and began to polish up his mouth, ready for it. Bother, said Pooh, as he got his nose inside the jar. A heffalump has been eating it. And then he thought a little and said, Oh no, I did. I forgot. Indeed, he had eaten most of it, but there was a little left at the very bottom of the jar, and he pushed his head right in and began to lick. By and by, Piglet woke up. As soon as he woke, he said to himself, Oh, and then he said bravely, Yes, and then still more bravely, Quite so. But he didn't feel very brave, for the word which was really running about in his brain was heffalumps. What was a heffalump like? Was it fierce? Did it come when you whistled? 
And how did it come? Was it fond of pigs at all? If it was fond of pigs, did it make any difference what sort of pig? Supposing it was fierce with pigs, would it make any difference if the pig had a grandfather called Trespassers William? He didn't know the answer to any of these questions, and he was going to see his first heffalump in about an hour from now. Of course, Pooh would be with him, and it was much more friendly with two. But suppose heffalumps were very fierce, with pigs and bears. Wouldn't it be better to pretend that he had a headache and couldn't go to the six pine trees this morning. But then, suppose that it was a very fine day, and there was no heffalump in the trap. Here he would be, in bed, all the morning, simply wasting his time for nothing. What should he do? And then he had a clever idea. He would go up, very quietly to the six pine trees now, peep very cautiously into the trap and see if there was a heffalump there. And if he was, he would go back to bed. And if there wasn't, he wouldn't. So off he went. At first, he thought that there wouldn't be a heffalump in the trap. And then he thought that there would, and as he got nearer, he was sure that there would, because he could hear it, heffalumping about like anything. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, said Piglet to himself, and he wanted to run away. But somehow, having got so near, he felt that he must just see what a heffalump was like. So he crept to the side of the trap and looked in. And all the time Winnie the Pooh had been trying to get the honey jar off his head, the more he shook it, the more tightly it stuck. Bother, he said inside the jar, and help, and mostly, oh, and he tried bumping it against things, but as he couldn't see what he was bumping it against, it didn't help him, and he tried to climb out of the trap, but as he could see nothing but the jar, not much of that, he couldn't find his way. So at last, he lifted up his head, jar and all, and made a loud, roaring noise of sadness and despair, and it was at that moment that Piglet looked down. Help! Help! cried Piglet. A heffalump! A horrible heffalump! And he scampered off as hard as he could, still crying out, Help! Help! And he didn't stop crying and scampering until he got to Christopher Robin's house. Whatever's the matter, Piglet? said Christopher Robin, who was just getting up. Heff, said Piglet. A heff, a heff, a heffalump. Where? Up there, said Piglet, waving his paw. What did it look like? It had the biggest head you ever saw, Christopher Robin. A great, enormous thing like nothing. A huge, big, I don't know, like an enormous, big, nothing. Like a jar. Well, said Christopher Robin, putting on his shoes, I shall go and look at it. Come on. Piglet wasn't afraid if he had Christopher Robin with him, so off they went. Oh, I can hear it, can't you? said Piglet as they got near. 
I can hear something, said Christopher Robin. It was Pooh, bumping his head against a tree root he had found. There, said Piglet. Isn't it awful? And he held on tight to Christopher Robin's hand. Suddenly, Christopher Robin began to laugh. And he laughed, and he laughed, and he laughed. And while he was still laughing, crash, went the heffalump's head against the tree root. Smash, went the jar, and out came Pooh's head again. Then Piglet saw what a foolish Piglet he had been, and he was so ashamed of himself that he ran straight off home and went to bed with a headache. But Christopher Robin and Pooh went home to breakfast together. Oh, Bear, said Christopher Robin, how I do love you. So do I, said Pooh.